0: their wisdom and the things they've learned along the way. Today I'm joined by the lovely Lahani Noor. Lahani is a relational psychotherapist. We're about to find out what that means with a specialism in psychosexual therapies. Over the last 30 years she can't possibly be that old. She's worked with a wide range of clients with issues including addictions, sexual abuse, anxiety, depression, stress, relationship breakdowns and sexual dysfunction to name just a few and if that's not all Lohani I always doff my cap to people who manage to write a book is the author of the 12 steps to sexual connection. Lohani welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast I've been secretly looking forward to this uh, for lots of reasons that our guests today are about to discover not least your kind of life CV um, and you and I have slightly more connections than you might imagine Lohani so should we start with the live CV? Because it's quite colourful,
1: quite interesting. It is. I, I always say I took the scene in route through life. But Sandra, I'm really interested where our connections might be also, but I, I'm sure they'll come to light in time. Um, so I started off working, oh gosh, when I was 16, I started volunteering for the National Association of Young People in Care, because at that time I was in a children's home. Um, and so began my caring career, if you like, or my kind of radical protesting career of, you know, demanding change and wanting to be heard. And um, I work with people continuously, uh, drug and alcohol dependent men, et cetera, et cetera, uh, for many years until um, it all got a bit too much. I got overwhelmed with it. And I, I decided to go and retrain as a commercial domestic plumber.
0: <laughs> I have to say in three years, Lahani, I've, I've spoken to something like 200 guests and I have never been lost for words. I think that's the first time I had to take the shark, a sharp intake
1: of breath. <laughs> so I decided to train as a plumber. I did. I did. Well, I wanted to do something with my hands that was really creative, but also functional. And there was this big thing at the time about plumbers earning loads of money and it was really kind of, you know, trending for white working class middle, you know, middle class people to go and retrain as a tradesperson. So I did. Um and I worked in industry for about seven years. And then I um got pregnant. So I went to my local college and said, do you want a lecture? And they said yes, please. It wasn't that simple. Obviously I had to apply for a job. <clears throat> and then I worked in um a, a local college of FE further education for another seven years teaching boys how to become plumbers. And I uh, continued my education I became a I got a HND and d in building services engineering uh, you know and obviously on formal plumbing qualifications and whilst I was doing that I retrained to be a psychotherapist so I, I went back to my roots in a way because working with people and uh you know understanding the nuance and the difficulty of the human condition is really where my interest is
0: I I should say because I I forgot to mention this in the introduction, and and that's remiss of me. But I should say to those listening, you know, we are going to be dealing with a number of quite taboo subjects today, probably. But you know, the Sandro Forte podcast is all inclusive. There's no stone left unturned. So for those who do find this kind of conversation somewhat difficult, then you are uh, under no obligation to continue listening. But um, but but I think we'll deal with it in a very sympathetic way. Um, If you don't mind. Um, telling us a little bit about you know you mentioned you were in children's home if it's not too difficult to talk about your past Luhani um, what what led to that and I'm particularly interested more importantly in how that experience shaped you because a lot of our listeners you know write in regularly and they say you know this has happened and I think what they start to do by listening to the podcast with our various wonderful guests is they start to realize that on the flip side of every challenge in life they're normally is an opportunity and it's kind of what you make of it so i'm particularly interested in that really difficult time in your life and what led to it but how you emerged
1: from it um, would you mind sharing that with us uh yeah not at all although i didn't know we were going to speak about that today and that's okay um, so it's all kind of very much off the top of my head i suppose um, i chose to leave home because I didn't want to have an arranged marriage. And it's really difficult to speak about this subject without making the culture of my origin bad or the religion of my origin bad. I have no religious beliefs at all now. Um, And I don't want to do that. But um, what I do want to say is it's really difficult being a second generation person um, in a country that's not of your origin, because you have to kind of live in two worlds. You have to have a foot in each camp and try and balance that. And if your parents aren't integrating particularly well that's a really difficult thing to do Uh, and my parents weren't integrating well they lived in a small community of migrants Um, and i guess did leaving home very young make me headstrong or was i headstrong to leave home it's a chicken and egg question isn't it and i guess there was something in me that um, i made a decision very young that i wasn't going to waste this life I wasn't going to, it wasn't going to happen to me. I wasn't just going to get married and have kids. I wasn't just going to disappear, uh, you know, into the grey. That wasn't going to happen to me. And I um, chose probably foolishly to run away from home when I was very young. With no experience of the world because I'd grown up an orthodox Muslim, full traditional dress. I'd never been out after eight o'clock on my own. You know, I barely walked home from school on my own. So really, from a really sheltered background, I just I legged it literally, and um, somehow or other I made it. Um, there was a lot of difficulty along the way, but what's always stayed with me is the idea that life is for living. It's not about getting lost in a goal, or the goals are very important. I have lots of goals. Uh, but it's important to enjoy life and the experience of living along the way. and that's always stayed with me really profoundly um so much so that I would rather have a wealth of experiences and connections rather than a wealth of money in the bank. you know if we were going to make that distinction. So the goal of achieving of that kind of you know 20 years down the road I'll be a something that's less interesting than what am I doing now.
0: I love that. you've answered that really well and and i I don't know, I wasn't kind of trying to steer in a particular direction, but I was I, I was interested to, to understand, and you mentioned the word choice, Lohani, where you made a choice. And I think lots of people are confronted with that kind of crossroads moment in their life at various points. And they instinctively know what they want to do, but they find moving in a direction quite difficult. How How easy or difficult was it for you to make that choice? Was it the fact that you saw on kind of one side of the metaphorical fence um the the i don't know the the, the challenges and the fact that you would probably be you know for, forever the product of a country a religion a belief uh, you you've explained very succinctly that you wanted to kind of spread your wings and be the person that you wanted to be and go in the direction you wanted to go but how difficult was the the next steps after making the choice because setting a goal is one thing doing something about it is the challenge most people have
1: wow sandra you've really kind of drilled right down to that kind of the nuggets of the conversation having you the the the, the bit that's really important um, it was a huge I, I did it was a choice i did make the choice and i had a good sense of what it meant um, because of past experiences Uh, you know within the community but whenever we make a choice to move in a particular direction we're making a choice of gain but we're also making a choice of loss so we let go of something and the things that we let go of um, can be really painful and later on become much more painful so we have to think carefully and in my particular case i gave up my family my community i even gave up my birth name because i had to let those things go in order to stay safe and okay in the world. I have regained my birth name many, many years later. My middle and last name are my birth name. My first name is not my birth name. Um, and I feel okay saying this because it's, I don't think it's a big secret anymore. Although for a while, maybe, maybe when I first left home, it was a secret. But so in answer to your question, there is never again without a loss.
0: that's that's a lovely way of putting it and I think uh yeah I concur completely with with what you've just said and again very very expertly put in a way that you know a lot of people will will completely understand um I'm going to go on to talk to you a little bit about your kind of new career it's not exactly new but um the psychotherapy and all the things that you do you know day to day to help so many people I just want to go off at a slight tangent for a moment and again sorry if this kind of catches you a bit off guard I think I'm right in saying. That you, that you competed as a bodybuilder. Now, I'm, I'm talking today to a, if you don't mind me saying this, hope it doesn't embarrass you, a, a, a stunning looking, beautiful, and, and that's not patronizing, it's not sexist, it's, it's a matter of fact. A, a beautiful young lady competed as a bodybuilder. Now, there's nothing wrong with that because there's lots of beautiful women and men that compete as bodybuilders. How on earth did that happen?
1: Well you know it's interesting you should say you know beautiful woman and I I accept that that's absolutely fine thank you but I when I first left home because of the culture I grew up in and the subjugation of women I had this huge desire to kind of achieve masculine things and to be good at masculine things because in my thinking at that time masculine things had value and feminine things didn't so I spent a lot of time doing masculine things I became a you know um, a a professional bodybuilder and strength athlete. I, uh, you know, was a commercial domestic plumber. I taught plumbing to boys. And it was only through a process of my own therapy and realizations that I was able to let that go and, and embrace femininity. And, you know, the idea that I am a woman and it's okay for me to have feminine things. But it was a process. It was a journey. So on along that journey, I discovered bodybuilding, discovered I was strong and uh, discovered I was a lot stronger than a lot of men. And that gave me a, a you know, tremendous amount of pleasure and i pursued it and it just kind of um i guess it's a bit like walking you just keep putting one foot in front of the other and suddenly you wake up and find that you're in you know you're on stage or you're competing or you've got titles and
0: well i, I alluded to the fact that we have a number of connections so i'll kind of let you know the secret so every day i i have a home gym and i train every day so i'm really really fascinated. A couple of my best friends are, uh, are bodybuilders uh, and it is something that I'm very connected with. Um, though I have already made a mental note to myself never to challenge you to an arm wrestle. Um, but it's really interesting what you've just said about how you started to migrate, I'm not sure that's the right word, but move towards almost like, um, I don't know if escapism is the right word, but how you were shaped, how you developed as a person and the way you approach things mentally because of um, the way you've been brought up and the community and the environment in which you found yourself. So let's move now to psychotherapy and, and what you're doing, because I want to talk about the book, obviously. Um, but I'm really interested to know what you do with people to kind of help them with some of the things that I mentioned in the introduction. So if you would, just share with us the kinds of things that you're doing now um, in terms of the career the, the career path that you shape for yourself.
1: Sure. So I'm a psychotherapist, sorry, I'm a psychotherapist and I have a specialism in psychosexual therapies. And that basically means you can talk to me about anything under the umbrella of sex, sexual function and dysfunction, and I might have an idea about it, or I'll certainly be willing to hear you. But essentially what I do is I work with a the therapy contract. So someone comes to therapy, they tell me what they want, that's the contract. And to, I um, together we work out a formulation or a plan. I have a plan, I suppose, of how they what they might need to know or learn about themselves that's let me say it differently i am a guide that's what i am so you come to me and say oh i have some really scary places back there and i say okay well how about you and i go together and look at them and i hold your hand and we go into your unconscious and have a look at what's going on in there i bring with me a clothes horse if you like and i pick up all the debris off the floor And we shake it out and hang it up on the clothes so you can see it and you can decide what you want to keep and what you want to get rid of.
0: Wow. Uh, And and the um, the whole uh, psychology thing, I know that's a slightly different field, but I have probably read 500 books on psychology. It's always been a fascination of mine. And when I've spoken professionally in different parts of the world, um, the foundation of every presentation is this subconscious uh, driver that we all have, you know, and how we transition from conscious where all of the challenges and obstacles exist, as you know, to the subconscious. So that's another connection that um just to um just to let you in on the the uh the little secret that I mentioned earlier so I didn't want you to think and I was just kind of making this stuff up. Um typically what kind of challenges and, and this is a very general question because I'm kind of now trying to connect with our many, many thousands of listeners all around the world and and thinking about the number of questions we get from them on email, what kind of uh, problems and challenges and obstacles do you see most people uh, having to deal with Lohani in life? And and this is a general question, so forgive me, but, and, and how typically do people try to, or how do you help them deal with some of those challenges? I'm not necessarily talking about sexual ones. I'm not necessarily talking about, um, you know, issues relating to childhood or or some of that, some of those issues that they have to deal with as part of your um, psychotherapy sessions and the work that you do with them. But just to, in general, how, how do people kind of deal with some of the challenges that you have? And, and typically, are there any techniques? Are there any processes you take them through to help them transition? I guess is the question I'm asking.
1: Yeah, of course, it is a general question. Um, And I'll give you a general answer. So rather than look at specific um, um, kind of um, specific examples, I'll talk in general terms. Also, most people come to therapy because uh, inside them, they have a really toxic part of themselves that speaks them, that gives them a lot of grief. So we all have different parts. We have between five and 15 parts that we move between all the time. And that's normal. So and our parts speak to each other. And that's normal as well. It's when they don't speak to each other that we've got a problem. Um, And sometimes one of those parts is really toxic. We call it the critical parent, if you like. And that sits on your shoulder and constantly jabbers away and gives you lots of griefs, tells you you're really fat, you're horrible, no one likes you or whatever. You know, it's a real challenge. And for some people, that that, uh, dialogue becomes really loud. And they respond to that dialogue from their child part. So they spend a lot of time with an internal dialogue between their vulnerable child part, the child part of the personality that feels uh, like they can't cope, they can't make decisions, they're not good enough, they're scared. And they're chattering away with this very critical controlling part, which is, you know, hurling abuse on them. Um, And that's what people tend to bring to therapy, essentially. Their internal process. And it's my job to help them see that it's an internal process, see that there's other parts of them available. And I help them challenge, approach, and reframe the toxic narrative. We don't get rid of it. We can't get rid of it, but we can challenge it and ask that toxic critical part to take a different stance and become more useful in the internal system. So that's essentially what I do. I know it sounds very technical, But it is essentially what I do. I help people with their internal narrative so that they can be happier and more present in the world.
0: You've you've stepped away from different career paths, um, whether that was the plumbing, the bodybuilding, uh, the thing that you probably always really, truly aspired to do. So you you've had a life of change that I mean, it would be fair to say, probably more so than most people, much of it conscious. Uh, And, you know, I think most people would salute you for that because a lot of people find change very challenging. What do you say to the people out there on this podcast who've been listening for a very long time? uh, And thank you to all of them where they are. Trying to deal with some kind of change or significant challenge in their life. And again, I'm, I'm sorry that this is quite a general question, because, of course, every single person is individual. They have their own unique set of challenges. But in general terms, how do people go about or start that process of dealing with change? Because I suspect the answer will probably drive a number of people to connect with you, no doubt, because it is the common question we get from listeners on this podcast.
1: So the thing that normally stops people from making change or for beginning the process is fear. And in order to address that fear, I would say the thing you fear the most it's probably already happened. So if your fear is that you will lose your money or you will, or the joy of your money, or you will lose face in the community on some level, it's probably already happened, but perhaps not in the way you think, in that you might have become a prisoner to your money. Or you might um, feel um, not all of you is seen or there isn't space for all of you in your community. So the thing you fear the most has already happened. And once you start to acknowledge that and understand that, it gives you a lot of freedom in terms of moving forward because there's no great grief or challenge in letting go. As I said earlier, there's a gain and a loss. Sometimes a loss, uh, is if we're not careful when we move forward, we sometimes lose things we don't want to lose. But if we're careful moving forward, we don't lose anything that we don't want to lose or we haven't already lost. Uh,
0: Again, beautifully put one of if i may say this one of the most articulate um uh one of the most articulate guests we've had on this podcast it, it's um it, it's lovely to hear you phrase the things that you uh, and phrase things in the way that you are because um knowing the the specific requirements and questions we get from guests and from listeners on a regular basis uh this will really connect with a lot of with a lot of people um other challenges in your life, Lahani? Um, again, I, this is not a deeply intrusive question. I'm not asking you to give specifics, but I know your life has been full of change. We've already acknowledged that. What what other challenges have you had in your life and how have you overcome them? Next question, uh, just to give you the heads up, we want to talk about the book, so we'll, we'll come on to that. But have there been any other you know, specific challenges, maybe self-imposed, maybe imposed by a community and environment, and how have you dealt with them?
1: So I think the biggest challenge I've had, uh, certainly of the last sixteen years, is being a single parent. So I, I had my son, and he's sixteen now. He's just taking his GCSEs. He's beautiful. He's a beautiful person. I'm um, really smart, but I would say that um, anyway. Um, so I was in a relationship, and uh, well, I wasn't in a relationship when I had him, and then I had a relationship and ended, and then I dated a few people, and I just suddenly stopped in my steps and thought, I don't want to do this to my son. I don't want to bring people in and out of his life. So for the last 10 years, um, apart from a couple of dates a couple of years ago, I've been single and I made that choice consciously. And it it hasn't always been easy, Um, but I made the decision to be a mother and, and to build my business and they were my two priorities. And I've stuck with them and I have grown a really incredible young person and my business is doing great too, so it's all is well.
0: That's fantastic, well well said as a parent as uh, as well, Uh, my personal, many people know this, my personal uh, story is not dissimilar to yours in terms of, um, you know, a marriage that failed, and you know, you spend a lot of time asking yourself the question, you know, was I responsible, what part did I play, and you beat yourself up for an awful long time, and then you, and then you make some other choices around career and and kids and I've got two beautiful uh, twin children and now they've given me two grandchildren. Um, so yeah, that, that resonates with me as well as it will do with many other people. Right, let's talk about the book. Um, loads of people, Lohani I know, say, I'm going to write a book, a, a huge statement of intent and then never quite get round to it because it's quite intimidating. Uh, it's a fairly daunting task. When When did it happen? And tell us a little bit about uh, what's in it? What what value people would get by buying it?
1: So the um, I did a programme called Sex on the Couch with BBC. And after that, I was approached by Audible and they asked me, would you like to write a book? Um, and I just said yes, and then absolutely panicked because I thought, oh, what the heck, what am I going to do? Um, and they gave me a, an editor to work with. And the editor, I'm going to say her name because she's fantastic. Um, Helena Drakakis and Helena was amazing for me because um, I met with her weekly and every week she expected me to deliver work so she would say okay I'll see you on Wednesday morning and you'll have chapter one <laughs> just thought, I'd laugh hysterically and think are you kidding me you know but then I'd do it Um, obviously you know not the complete finished version that took a long time but i do it so every week i and i'd say things like oh my gosh i'm really tired this week i've got an awful lot going on you know i'm really stressed and she'd say okay so i'll see you on wednesday morning with chapter three (laughs) and so i'd just do it because she gave me no leeway at all um and i'm really grateful for that so um i wrote um 12 steps of sexual connection in 12 weeks the 12 chapters initial well the first track. wow and the, and then obviously there was the intro um and everything else and then we went over it. i had i went through about four or five different editors to fine tune it and they they it was an, a really challenging process because i don't know if anyone's ever worked with an editor but they just literally highlight all your failings and put big question marks like what does this mean and why <laughs> you know just and send it back to you so you feel like you're being torn apart um so I think we went through five editorial processes and then it went acts published, but it was written really quickly. Um, it, I'm really grateful for that, but also if I could write this again, it would be a bit different. There would definitely be um, some differences, but it's, not, it's, it's called 12 Steps to Sexual Connection. And there is quite a lot about sex and sexual connection in there, but the foundation of all sexual connection is emotional. It's communication and friendship. And if you haven't got those uh, foundation uh, bricks, if you can't talk to your partner about the things that really matter, if you don't trust your partner, and if you're not doing something actively to generate trust, nurture and love, then the the sex is never going to be good or meaningful. It might be effervescent, high stimulus and fast, but it won't have the depth of connection uh, that eventually most people seek.
0: You must be very proud. I, anybody that's written a book, I, I, I didn't write mine in 12 weeks. Mine took me about three years. Um, but it's something I was very proud of, and, and you must be too. And one of the things that we will be doing is, is acquiring a number of copies of your book, and we'll be giving them away to listeners. We'll talk about that right at the end. Um, a couple of other things I want to just pick up on, if I may, Johanny, is you mentioned earlier that you have a number of goals. Sorry if I'm paraphrasing your exact words. Um, but you mentioned the fact you are a goal setter. Tell us about, not specifically, your own individual goals. Why are goals important? You've also mentioned the word accountability and the fact that you were grateful for working with an editor that really pushed you, that, that made you accountable. And hey, Presto, you write a book, at least first draft, in 12 weeks, which is no mean feat. So just tell us, if you would, a little bit about goals and accountability and, and why they're important to you.
1: Gosh, goals are the things, I suppose, that drive us forward, that keep us, um, for me, so so, I won't make it general. For me, goals let me know I'm alive. You know, I set a goal, and um, then every day I do something towards it. It keeps me vibrant and purposeful, and I like that. I like that feeling of stimulation, Um, although it's important to have rest, and I do let myself have rest as well. Accountability is also really important in terms of personal growth um you can be um you can kind of skim through life you know just underneath the radar and not be accountable and not not ever challenge yourself in any meaningful way and that's okay if that's how you want to live your life personally i'm a, want to live above the radar and i want to know who i am in a really meaningful ways and i want to be challenged and i don't mean i want lots of hard times although sometimes the the process of knowing yourself is hard what is it the Buddhists say the Buddhists, um, so that everything's for your learning, and they don't—they don't chant for easy times. They chant for more challenges because it's only through the challenges that you know who you are, you know the depth and breadth of who you are, um, and you can grow. Can can I use a can I use a bad word? <laughs> you you bad word.
0: absolutely can. You you absolutely can.
1: There's a there's a saying, isn't it? A Buddhist saying, and it's, it goes: the deeper the shit, the more beautiful the flower. And I love that. I absolutely love that, you know, because the lotus flower grows on dung. Um, but I love it because it is through life experience and the difficulty of life experience that we become more beautiful through processing it, not just from having it. If you have lots of hard times, but you never process it, then you won't be beautiful. But if you take the time to process it, you become more beautiful as a person.
0: You, The one thing that really fascinates me about everything you say, apart from it being really on point, is you are that one of the rare breed where you take a goal and you do something about it, everything you've done in your life, everything you've told me in this short time we've been together has been about make a decision, uh, create an action, make a decision, create an action. There are so many people out there have got a whole list of goals. uh, And when you ask them about those goals, 12 months down the line, you know, they make the news resolutions on the 1st of January. And then to your, uh, your point earlier about the little voice on the shoulder that says at the end of the year, oh, well, don't worry, Sandra, there's always next year. And and so consequently, we kick the can down the road and we look back over our shoulder in life at some point in the future. And we think, if only I had dot, dot, dot. And then of course, the dot, dot, dot is different things for different people. What is it about? Is it is it the, the shaping of who you became at a very early age that has driven this, not a need, but a desire to take positive action on the back of a goal? or is
1: it something else? It's probably that, partly, Sandro, but also I, I would say I listen to my objections, I don't ignore them. And when in therapy, what I often say to people is bring me your objections. So I'll give them homework or I'll ask them to think about something. And the thing I'm really interested in is not whether or not they achieve it, but what the objections are. So most people have a goal or an idea that they want to do something. And then immediately the objections come in. And the, if you don't listen carefully, you won't notice the objections because they'll be unconscious because they're coming from behind. They're kind of, you're pre-programmed to have uh, beliefs, negative or limiting beliefs. So I always say to my clients, bring me your objections. I'm not interested in whether or not you achieved it or, you know, or oh, it's okay. If it's okay, that's wonderful. We can move on. But what I want to hear is the objections. And the objections, um, you know, my clients aren't all goal-orientated, you know, super achievers. The objections, sorry, the objections could be in relational terms, in in, um, why won't you do nice things for your partner?
0: I, um, over the last three years, you probably don't know this, Lohani, but you will do when, uh, when everyone sees all this lovely uh, stuff about you on social media, but um, we always try to take, something that a guest has said and, and make it the banner for social media. and I'm already processing about 15 different um things that you've shared anecdotes, great things. I'm not quite sure which one of them to use. Um, so we'll have to try and work out how we how we get them all out there. what what's next for Lohani what's what's happening next? anything on the horizon another book dare I say or what what you know going back to what we've been talking about you always looking down the road of life, whilst, you know, analysing uh, that learning that learned experience. W- what's next? Have you got anything in
1: mind? Well, I wouldn't mind another book. I wouldn't mind a series of workbooks, actually. I've been thinking about relational workbooks. I'm talking to one or two people, but nothing's really been formulated about this. I'm also thinking about... Uh, so I'm at that usual place where I'm thinking, what next? So, you know, I'm on a nice platform. I'm thinking, what shall I do next? And there are a number of different avenues and I might do many of them, so workbooks is one, a series of podcasts is another, or chat shows, maybe interviews, um, just to really um, open up conversations, kind of almost demonstrating this is how you have a conversation, this is how you talk about difficult stuff, so saying the words, because a lot of people struggle to say the words, so they come into therapy, and they spend six months kind of faffing around, because they don't say the words, and the words might because the word's painful, you know, that exposure. Um, so the idea of podcasts or those conversations would be to demonstrate, this is how you say the words and it's okay. Um, and then I don't know, actually, I'm, I'm actually thinking of maybe going and doing a doctorate or there's um something called the International Society for the Study of Trauma and Disassociation. And they have a professional training programme for, for professionals. And I'm really interested in trauma and disassociation. And uh, Can I say something about what I'm really interested in? in terms of course of- you can. So a lot of people come to therapy with sexual trauma. And because the sexual trauma is somatic, it's in their body. The memory of it is in their body. And it's specifically around sexual experience or sexual stimulation. So someone starts to have a sexual experience with their healthy partner in the here and now and their body remembers the feeling the stimulation and it wasn't okay before and immediately they have a panic attack or they withdraw and they can't continue on that sexual journey which is healthy and good and so i'm really interested in how do we help people disconnect from the old somatic experience of the trauma the sexual trauma and have healthy positive sexual experiences in the moment
0: fantastic absolutely fantastic um
1: how do we find out more
0: about you? Because there's going to be lots of people already thinking, uh, how do we how do we connect with Luhani? Uh Is there a website? We know about the book. But is there a website? Are you um, are you active on social media? For those that want to connect with you, where do we find you?
1: So the website um, is in the making, um, so it should be out and when i had one ages ago but anyway i've got a new website that's just in the making it should be out next week or the week after uh, but i am on twitter and i'm also on instagram however i'm not a massive social media head but i will check it i do go on there and check but i've just i've never really kind of um got into the whole social media thing it's surprisingly i'm quite private but anyway um so if you want to get a hold of me instagram or twitter and um my book is available on Audible.
0: Okay, fantastic. Well, we will make sure that we. Uh, I'm. I'm certainly going to have a read, and I know lots of uh, our listeners will be doing that as well. And as I mentioned earlier, we will be giving away five copies of uh, of Lahani's book. So we will acquire those, and uh, and we will be giving them as prizes. You know how that works. So I won't. I won't bore you with all the details. Uh, Lahani, I, I wish I could go on speaking to you for another half an hour. Hour. There's so much more to discover, uh, and no doubt at some point soon. I hope. We get the opportunity of chatting again, either on the podcast or offline. Um, but it's been, and I meant exactly what I said earlier. Um, you, the the way you have framed what is particularly challenging and painful for a lot of people, everything from you know goals in general to you know some of the real issues that people, as you say, the kind of elephant in the room subjects, the taboo matters. But we've covered everything from you know your the very difficult upbringings and those those decisions you had to make, which must have been very very tough at the time, right the way through to you know what you're doing and and just throwing in at the end the fact you're thinking of a doctorate as if uh, as if it's something that we do every day of the week. Um, it's been really fascinating, wonderful talking to you today. Thank you so much for sharing so many valuable insights into you know tackling life and its challenges and obstacles. Um, wish you all the success in the world for everything you continue to do and and the fabulous mum that you are to your to your son. So, uh, as I said, look forward to, to connecting with you again soon. But in the meantime, Lohani Noor, thank you for joining us on the Sandro Forte podcast.
1: Thank you for having me, Sandro. Uh,
0: and thank you to all of you from all around the world for joining us on the Sandro Forte podcast. Wasn't Lohani Noor absolutely wonderful? I could go on talking to her all day each week. Remember, we do have a new guest joining us to share their own insights into achieving success or overcoming life challenges, please make sure you subscribe. Follow us on Twitter or Facebook. It's at Sandro's Podcast. Don't forget the little S in the middle. And let us know, or Lohani, directly if you want to, what you thought of today's podcast. If you'd like to email us with this question, it's hello at sandrospodcast.com. You know that by now. And do leave those reviews on iTunes. They're really, really important. Thank you again to Lahani Noor and to all of you for listening. Until this time next week, goodbye for now.